Welcome, I'm your host, Jules DeVito, and you're listening to the Highly Sensitive Human Podcast, the show that offers an insight into the world of the highly sensitive person and helps those who identify with the traits of high sensitivity to feel more empowered and resilient without denying their authentic gifts. Welcome everyone and today I'm talking with William Allen who is the author of the recently published book Confessions of a Sensitive Man. So William um, began his blog The Sensitive Man in the late 2016 and the blog was about his experiences as a highly sensitive man. So the blog became the genius of his new book and William feels that highly sensitive men need to take their keen insights and intuition and make them public. He would like to shed more light on highly sensitive men's much-needed role in our society. Okay, welcome, Bill, and thank you so much for being my guest today on the Highly Sensitive Human podcast. So I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit more about the work that you do and... Yeah, how it relates to helping those who are highly sensitive and in particular with men. I sure will. Uh, And I want to thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. Uh, To talk about the work that I do, you'd have to kind of, I'd have to give you a little background on on my career. Um, I do have a bachelor's degree in psychology, although I don't do formal therapy or anything like that. Um, I worked for most of my adult life in um, information technology for a large financial institution. And uh, although it gave me great opportunities to work with a variety of people and do a lot of different things that challenged me and helped me grow, uh, it wasn't until I took an early retirement about 10 years ago that I started to focus in on the psychology aspect and wanting to work and help people. One of the things that I liked doing the most at my work as an IT manager was coaching staff and helping them uh, not only with career decisions, but sometimes their personal life as well. And I realized that I had kind of a talent for doing that. So this business venture that I wanted to start um, was going to be centered somewhere around coaching or helping people uh, uh, in sort of everyday kind of problems and issues, not in the counseling therapeutic sense. And so I wound up getting a certification in hypnosis, something that I've been fascinated with for a long time. And I reframed that so that it was not just a hypnosis uh, business. It was a business about hypno coaching, which uses hypnosis as a tool to help people overcome, you know, issues and things, maybe minor anxieties or bad habits they wanted to, uh, to adapt and and change. And one of the things I noticed, Jules, was a lot of the people that I was working with were highly sensitive people. Mm. Um, This was back in around 2010, 2012. And I had only found out about high sensitivity and and that there was something that would describe what I was uh, by reading Dr. Elaine Aaron's book back in the mid-90s. So this was all kind of new to me, but it was starting to kind of gel. And 
I had expanded the business a little bit to include neurofeedback uh, brain training, which I thought was a good way of helping people um, overcome these kind of stressful anxieties ridden type situations that sometimes they found themselves in. And I found some really good tools for that. Uh, while I was running this business, I started blogging um, and started writing more about high sensitivity, especially in men, because I was had grown up in a, a kind of environment where I was supposed to be a tr- sort of traditional male. Um, and it was in conflict with what I was. And as I was saying, doing the business that I did, I found more often than not, the people that I I was working with and talking to were highly sensitive individuals. And it became sort of a natural fit that I would work with them and coach them based on experiences that I had had growing up and the ways I had learned to cope and so forth. And I incorporated a lot of that into the blog that I wrote, which is uh, the Sensitive Man. It's a, a blog that I've been doing since 2016. That became the genesis for the book that I wrote, uh, Confessions mm-hmm. of a Sensitive Man. And so when you describe work in the sense now, my focus and attention is on the book and delivering the message, especially to sensitive men uh, about their sensitivity and hopefully answering questions through my experience that they may have had also in their own lives. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really interesting, a really interesting journey. And with that being said, I'm just wondering, because you mentioned the book, um, and if I'm right, the book is called Confessions of a Sensitive Man. Is that right? That is correct, yes. And so what would you say the purpose of the book is, or what is that message that you're trying to get across to the people that read it? Well, part of the book, I mean, it started out as kind of relating my experiences as being sensitive. Now, as I said before, I grew up in a part of the United States, the southern United States, which is a very conservative, very traditional um, area of of the country uh, in which male roles and female roles are very highly defined with boundaries and Mm -hmm. being sensitive Um, is not something that a young male in the southern part of the United States anyway was supposed to be. So immediately I had these sort of conflicts of having to deal with uh, my sensitivity and then matching up with what was the sort of stereotypical male role model and what masculinity was defined as. So the book started out in a lot of ways just relating my experiences, but I began to see as I was writing this that I had lots of questions that went along with, you know, trying to define uh, my masculinity in a sort of a greater spectrum of what I had been taught. So I did more research, I did more reading on it, and it really kind of evolved into a book, not only about sensitivity in men, but also what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be masculine? And, that became sort of a, a subtext for the main text of the book, which was about being sensitive and being a male, was also what does it mean these days to be masculine? And it expanded and, and comparing and contrasting what masculine versus feminine is. And, and 
I began to realize what, what we really need to be thinking about is not these, these sort of arbitrary, culturally defined roles of what masculine and feminine are, but what it means to be human. And being human is about expressing emotions and feelings, and these are things that traditionally men have not been allowed to do openly. So it really kind of transformed. It was sort of a journey writing the book and it, it taking me along on this path. I began to realize it was about being more human and allowing men to be more human. And that means expressing themselves emotionally, uh, expressing uh, their intuitive side, their nurturing and caring side, and their empathetic side. And I, that was a real interesting arc that I found that was happening underneath uh, as I was writing the book. So it's it's, like I said, essentially it was – the intent originally was my older self writing a book to my younger self. And I began to realize that there were a lot of things that, that I had learned through the course of writing the book. And of course, through my experiences growing up as a highly sensitive man that really were relevant to today and what's going on in the world today. So like I said, that the book has got this subtext to it about that, which is being human and what does it mean to be masculine? That feels like such an important message right now. I think from my experience, the, the roles of the, the, the masculine and the feminine feel very confused right now in society. And what it means to be a man, like you said, I, I don't think that the younger generation have a clear idea of what that involves. And it sounds like from what you're saying, um, it's really about, you were talking about being human. It's really about stepping into the authentic self. And like you said, being able to express emotions, um, intuition, empathy, and know it's okay to do that. Exactly. There's always been this, this thread, I think, especially when you think of things like, um, what I mean by being more human is being more balanced. I think mm. if you look at feminine energy and, and masculine energy as a concept, a set of constructs that we put on both of those things that each one of us, male and female, carries those, those uh, characteristics with us uh, because of cultural definitions, uh, especially for men particularly, and, and, and with women too, I'm sure, some of the opposite, let's say, for example, if you're a female, maybe the masculine characteristics um, get suppressed. And the same thing is true for men. So there, you, there's a sort of lack of balance there. And what I'm really advocating for is that we look at inviting that balance back into um, our lives, and which ultimately helps us express ourselves as humans more fully. So... The idea that it's masculine and feminine, we've sort of sexualized that, that these are characteristics that a man has, a male has, versus a female, as opposed to different energies that are just, uh, have different characteristics that, in, if you look at it as a whole, creates a very balanced human being. And so these are some of the things I think you're right. I think what's happening today is that gender identity has become more fluid. Um, sexual identity has become fluid as well. 
And a lot of people are just saying, and especially younger people are saying, you know what, I don't feel like I fit into this, this box. I feel like I'd like to be able to expand myself. And I really do think sensitive men, and one of the things that I advocate in the book, that sensitive men can have a role in helping other men, other non-HSP men, to model what this new new masculine might look like, you know, mm-hmm. which is to be able to be more expressive emotionally or nurturing or intuitive. These are things we have traditionally uh, characterized as female characteristics, but in fact, they're really very human uh, with, you know, no identity to that. So I, I really think that men, especially highly sensitive men, could actually step up and do something here in terms of modeling and helping culturally the wider culture redefine what these terms masculine and feminine mean. Brilliant. I, I really love the way you've uh, described that, finding the balance. And I'm wondering why you feel this is so important right now. Let's say for the highly sensitive men to model this new masculine what about it feels necessary, would you say? Well, I mean, it really, truly, uh, as an American, I can say this. You can look at the state of my country right now, and you mm-hmm. can see where this idea of the old masculine, which has uh, been characterized by a lot of people as toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be toxic just because of the maybe sexual overtures that come out as a result of men imposing themselves and subjugating themselves. It is much broader than that. And this I found in the book is a a term that describes hegemonic masculinity, which is a term where traditionally it has been a small subset of the population. And I think in, 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 in the United States, particularly it's been white males who dominate and subjugate anybody else that doesn't fit into their category. Mm -hmm. I think you're starting to see pushback now, not only from women, but from people of color. You're seeing it from the LGBTQ community. You're seeing it from people who have been oppressed and put down for so long. This model is a dominant model. It's a model uh, I'm talking about the hegemonic masculinity and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's created wars. It's created the issues we have with climate change right now. It's an abusive, dominant uh, type of mentality that is really destroying us all over the planet. And I think we need to re-examine what that is and why it's it, we've allowed that to be a part of our our culture. And I think you're starting to see that pushback. And a lot of young young people younger than myself, and I'm 65, Mm -hmm. um, are starting to awaken up to this. It's starting to become something that is, I think, uh, a cause. And what we need to do is be able to replace this, this hegemonic masculinity, this toxic masculinity with something that is more balanced because this is clearly out of balance. Mm -hmm. And when things are out of balance and out of balance in nature, nothing good comes of that. 
Imbalance is not a good thing. You can think of yin and yang. You can think of uh, of, of balance uh, in, in anything that goes on in, in nature, positive, negative, light, dark, all that, those metaphors for balance. When things are out of balance, bad things happen, basically. And I think that right now, this point in time, is an interesting point in the book that Dr. Ahrens brings up in some of her blog articles about the evolutionary quality that nature has created a subset of the larger population of a more cautious, more, I'll say wise, but certainly cautious, careful uh, subset of the, the species. And this is true for different animals, not just uh, humans only, that HSP seem to fill that bill, which is basically the cautious, wise advisor. And that's the role that, that our personalities have wired us for. And I think we can step up and be that uh, advisor. Uh, But part of the process is educating those of us who know that we're sensitive and know about the characteristic of educating other highly sensitive people who may not know that. And there are a lot of people out there who still don't know that they have this characteristic. And Mm -hmm. a lot of men who don't know they have this characteristic. They're walking around thinking that there's something wrong with them. And there's not. So to your point, I, I think that this time in our history is the perfect time for HSP men to recognize and embrace the quality that we have and to model it for other men who I believe are more willing now than they've ever been to accept it. I mean, there's always going to be an element that is going to reject it. But I think a broader spectrum of men now are willing to accept this 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 these characteristics and this new version of what masculine means yeah absolutely and like you said it feels that educational piece is so important and i think this is another reason it's so crucial that your book is coming out now because i know for myself i mean being a woman i it was about seven years ago that i came across the term high sensitivity. Um, Before that, I always knew that I experienced the world in a different way, but I could never put a label to it. So just having that label and knowing it's okay to um, step into those traits and not be ashamed of them or think there's something wrong with me has been life-changing. So definitely um, with men, I, I do think it's more difficult for men to embrace those traits because it is repressed or it is seen as uh, somehow society sees it as a weakness. So I I really appreciate and resonate with what you have shared. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I think that's a critical piece is that um, a lot of the traits associated with highly sensitive people um, are considered to be uh, culturally as, as more effeminate. And I think men are afraid to embrace those characteristics um, because, like you said, they see it as a weakness. It is not a weakness. It is, in mm-hmm. fact, a gift and I think can be a strength. I think part of the problem is like, like yourself and like myself as well, 
for the longest time, I didn't know what this was. I did not know that this was a personality characteristic. It was not. It's not a disorder. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. But so many sensitive people deal with it and aren't quite sure how to deal with it. So, you know, in the book, I talk about how I navigated my life with this characteristic in some ways. And I've got another book that I hope will be will be out next year. It's the second part of this book about dealing with this on a kind of a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it is not a weakness. And I want to make sure men understand that. And so the subtitle of the book is that it's an unconventional defense of sensitive men, because I really do think that Men need to know uh, if you have this characteristic, it's not a problem. It doesn't make you less of a man um, and that you should embrace it because of all the gifts that come with it. You know, creativity, uh, being able to see and experience and nuance things from the environment that so many people miss because our brains are wired to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I I relate to the idea that it brings, it does bring so many gifts, um, that there's so many positive qualities that come from being highly sensitive. But with that being said, what would you say one of your biggest struggles has been as a highly sensitive man? Well, certainly, um, I had, I, as we talked about earlier, I struggled with, you know, because of my sensitivity and dealing with the emotion and, 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 and even the emotional expression I was, was dealing with masculinity. But I think probably one of the things I struggled with the most was, and, th- and there are challenges to being highly sensitive. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that it's all, all goodness, but, um, one of the things was overwhelm. And I think this is something that every, highly sensitive person has to deal with uh, hitting that point where you just feel like you want to melt down and there's too much stimulus going on in the environment. It's being able to learn how to manage that. And I very early on back when I was in college, which started out with uh, learning uh, transcendental meditation um, and learning techniques to help me to calm and quiet my mind down. Um, I kind of made that a sort of a, a hobby of mine is, is, is experimenting and learning different ways that I could use to calm myself down. So that certainly was a struggle is learning to deal with the stress sometimes of life, the overwhelm that comes with, um, you know, living in a, a highly stressful world. I worked in information technology for many years, which is a very stressful environment uh, because of the expectation that, you know, your computer systems are up 24 by seven and there should be no downtime, that kind of stuff. Um, It certainly was uh, a challenge to me to learn how to manage working in that kind of environment and yet be able to manage my own internal um, systems, you know, trying to stay calm, keep myself, uh, relaxed. Uh, and so that was a, has always been a big struggle for me. And I suspect that that would be something that many HSBs deal with on a day-to-day basis. So that would be certainly something I would suggest that everybody do is find some techniques and find um, 
tools that will help you do that because that's something you're just going to live with for the rest of your life. Um, but you can manage it. And that's the important thing is it can be managed. So yeah, that would probably be my biggest struggle is dealing with uh, the, the stressors. You mentioned techniques and tools. So do you have a specific technique or tool that you have used to manage that overwhelm or to calm down your nervous system? You did mention meditation. Um, I'm not sure if that's something you use or you would recommend, but is there something you can share with us? Yes, certainly. I, you know, I think we live in a technologically driven society. Um, So much of what we get and use today, uh, you know, may be uh, related to using of the use of the telephone or, you know, uh, cell phones, uh, their apps that are out there. In fact, I wrote a blog article recently about uh, apps that can be used to help calm the mind. Uh, there's quite a few that are coming out now. Uh, in my business, I was very fortunate to find a uh, software tool. Now, it's not as readily available in terms of pricing and so forth for the average person, but there are practitioners who use this uh, tool. It's called Neuroptimal. It is a neurofeedback tool that is uh, quite easy for uh, the practitioner to use, and it's also quite easy for the client to use. And what it does essentially is monitors your brainwave activity and then gives you very subtle uh, unconscious uh, audio signals uh, to help your brain synchronize with the uh, uh, feedback that it's getting from the computer software. It's an amazing tool. Mm. Uh, it's very subtle. It's it's a perfect tool for, I think, highly sensitive people because, honestly, there's not really much you have to do. And most often, I found that uh, not only myself, but other people would, would kind of drift off into a deep alpha brainwave state or theta brainwave state and not have to do anything, it was very relaxing. Um, And it has a very subtle long-term effect if you do this regularly. Uh, But there are other tools that are out there. There's brain entrainment tools that you can use to help spot you in a situation, let's say you're nervous or upset, overwhelmed, uh, that can help you relax and and get into an alpha or or theta brainwave state. uh, and will help calm your mind down. But meditation is probably the most portable uh, tool and technique that I've found. Uh, and there's so many different types of meditation. Uh, you know, you could probably look on YouTube and find uh, some uh, particular meditation that might suit you best. I like the idea, too, of doing things which would include sort of a um, moving meditation, which could be a, a practicing Tai Chi or yoga or something that involves the body as well. But there are many, many things that you can do, techniques that are, you know, interface with technology, things like meditation, which you can do, which, like I said, you carry with you no matter where you are, no matter what you have with you. You can always do that. Uh, There's music that's specifically designed um, to, I think it's 425 megahertz music 
or Hertz music that you can find on YouTube as well that can help relax you. The, the idea is to get your brain to go into sort of neutral. And that allows you to calm down because you're not rushing thoughts through it. You're not ruminating about uh, something that you did or you're not worrying about something that's coming down the road. You're basically trying to stay in present moment. And there's, like I said, a myriad of tools that you can, you can find out there. Again, you can, they could, um, your listeners could go to the blog and there's some sources there that I have under um, uh, apps that can help you uh, as a highly sensitive person deal with, especially with negative thinking and so forth. Um, but I, I like meditation, as I said, because it's easy, it's portable, you can take it with you. Uh, and there are all kinds of technology uh, that's being developed these days. Brain training is actually something that I think is going to take off as a, perhaps as a business, or certainly it's going to get more and more developed. So it's easier for people to access it. And I think that's going to be useful, especially for highly sensitive people to calm down. Yeah, brilliant. This is really, really helpful. And I will put the link to the blog post you mentioned in the notes so people can access that easily. But I really like the idea of the apps you mentioned with the brain entrainment. I think that's really fascinating. So it's actually you're saying that the app is responding to your brain waves in the moment. So it's helping like on an individual basis, it's helping the brainwaves to shift into that alpha and theta state. Is that what you're saying? Yes. There's, yeah. there's, there's technology for, for a couple of different types of technology. Uh, one uses um, uh, uh, isochronic tones or different tones that mm-hmm. are set up that kind of entrain the brain. Um, and there's others that send a different signal to each ear and, and then your brain sort of entrains to the middle signal, which is the, maybe alpha brainwave state. Uh, The idea that what's nice about these things is that they're very passive. You don't have to do something. Uh, Sometimes in meditation, if you have a mantra or you have something that you're trying to focus on and you have a very active mind, it's a little bit more difficult to get into that state. It's a training thing, though. The idea is that this is something that you want to continue to do. It's not something... I would probably best equate it to doing a physical exercise at a gym or at some uh, fitness center. Uh, you don't go in there and do it once and walk away and think, well, now I'm fit. You, you actually have to keep doing it over and over again. Uh, it's a matter of training your muscles and training your body. The same thing would be true with these brain tools. Um, you would be doing this just like you would be doing physical fitness, but you'll be doing it for your for your brain activity. So yeah, some of these tools are very passive and allow you to just basically sit back and let your brain entrain to these particular signals. And it really can get you into a very nice, peaceful place. Yeah, and I'm interested, would you say this also works with highly sensitive people who struggle with their sleep, or like you mentioned, racing thoughts, ruminating, struggling to switch off. So does it work in the same way? It can. I know that when I was doing the hypnosis business, I had many people come to me for trying to find ways to to sort of turn their brain off and go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And I think insomnia, like other things like weight loss, 
they seem simple on the surface, but they're actually very complicated issues because they may involve your work environment. They may involve, as you were saying, your, your thoughts not being able to turn off. There might be some physical reasons why you're not being able to go to sleep as well. But if you really suspect that it's something like just racing thoughts, worrying, stressing out about life, and taking that with you, uh, there are apps that are out there as well that deal specifically with that. And some of it has to do with, you know, the, the kind of uh, uh, mental training it does. Um, there are things that, you know, you need to do to prep yourself to going to bed at, at night and so forth, which mean, means shutting off com computers and shutting off lights and, and, and all kinds of things as a kind of a preparation for going to sleep. But yes, uh, they can help calm the brain down. And that's something that you learn to do over time. It is a training ritual, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's not an instant fix. Um, and, but yet it does work over time. And I think that the good thing about this, and I think especially for highly sensitive people, is the idea that you can train your brain to react certain ways to certain stimulus. It's not though. It's not as though. Well, I'm wired this way. I have to live with this the rest of my life. I really believe that you can control some of this activity mm -hmm. through this these brain training um, exercises, and uh, I think that will help a lot of highly sensitive people who are maybe uh, prone to a lot more overwhelm and a lot more uh, stress in life. Um, and some of that's covered in the book. And certainly in the second book, I spent a little bit more time on these kinds of things as well. Yeah, and that feels like another really, really important message. You know, you're emphasizing the importance of training and being persistent with these techniques and methods and meditating on a regular basis. And I think it comes back to something you shared earlier, which was being highly sensitive isn't an illness and it doesn't mean you're a victim to these struggles or to the sensitivity. So I think what you're saying is that we can actually really be in control of how we respond to our environment and we can make those shifts and those changes. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that's true for anyone highly sensitive mm -hmm. or, or even people that are, you know, not so sensitive. I do think in many ways, sensitivity is, is a, a spectrum, right? right. You have, um, and a lot of people have, are now describing it as uh, three different things. Um, I think it's a daffodils or people that are less sensitive, people in the middle are tulips. Mm -hmm. If you look, think of it as a bell curve and people on the high end are orchids and you know how fussy orchids are, but they're really very beautiful flowers. Um, and I, I, I think people can travel up and down that scale a little bit, even sensitive people. Uh, but um, the reality is that if you if you believe you don't have control of this at all, you can't control, you know, overwhelm or how things are, then being highly sensitive can be very challenging. And I think the, the message I would like to share and relate to people is that you can control some of these outputs that you have. Uh, you're going to perceive things, you're going to see things, you're going to get a lot of data that's rushing into you because of the way we process sensory information. And sensitivity isn't just about 
emotion. It's also about processing sensory information. And that in and of itself can be overwhelming. Getting more stuff uh, into your brain uh, through your sense organs doesn't, well, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean we have better eyes or uh, have better olfactory systems or whatever. It, what it does mean is that we op- our filters are, are more open. And so we're pulling more data in. That can be a very overwhelming thing. But that's something that we can work with. We can, we can learn to train our brain so that we're not as overwhelmed. And that would give us the opportunity of processing more of this information in a more positive way Mm -hmm. and uh, seeing those nuanced pieces of the environment. You know, it's like walking into a party uh, of people, a group of people, The, the highly sensitive person might be the person in the room who can sense the, the, a female, let's just say, or a man for that matter, who has too much cologne on and they can smell that difference or they might be able to taste the extra salt in the hors d'oeuvres. It's just having that ability to process more nuanced information and that can be overwhelming. So I think it's a gift and mm-hmm. I think it's something that we can use in a positive way, but we also have to arm ourselves to be able to deal with you know, some of that overwhelm so that we don't just wind up living our lives in a cave somewhere to protect ourselves from getting too much data coming in. So it's a balance. Again, goes back to the, the whole concept of balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. I think in order for us to access those gifts and these, the strengths of the traits, we really need to find ways to yeah, prevent the, the overwhelm. Um, so, um, I know you have your book coming out soon. Uh, what what date is it being released? It's actually now available. Uh, the Kindle version is available on Amazon, or the ebook version is is now available on Amazon. It was as of last Wednesday. Um, the uh, hard it's not a hardback; it's a soft back cover, but it's the the book version of it will be out in November. So I think you can pre-order the book if that's your preference. Uh, if you uh, prefer Kindle, it's available right now and it's on Amazon, it's on iBooks, it's on Barnes and Noble and uh, other distributors. I'm not sure all of them yet, but it is uh, should be easily accessible. Brilliant. And again, I will put the link for your book in the notes so people can access that easily. When, would you say you have had any specific books that have inspired you on your journey? Are there any other books or resources that you would recommend for people? Yeah, I, I well, certainly I would say for any, especially for any sensitive person, but especially for me, I, the most eye-opening book was the book that mm-hmm. Elaine Aaron wrote about high, highly sensitive people or highly sensitive person, I think is what she titled it as. It has to be in every highly sensitive person's library. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some other good books that have been written about HSPs um, by, especially for men, by Dr. Ted Zeff. He's written some great books on, especially on raising highly sensitive boys. Uh, and Dr. Tracy Cooper has written some books and some interesting takes on high sensitivity. There is a subset of highly sensitive uh, people that are called high sensation seekers, 
And it sort of almost seems to be contradictory to what we think of as highly sensitive people being more cautious. But highly sensitive people can also have a side to them, a streak, if you will, for high sensation seeking. It's not something that they live in, uh, in constantly in that mode, but it's sort of um, looking for novelty in life. Uh, I actually have that trait myself, um, and I didn't know that it even existed until I read Dr. Cooper's mm-hmm. book. So there's a lot of good books out there on that. Um, as far as things that are inspiring me, I'm actually kind of shifting a little bit. I'm looking at um, reading more um, Eastern uh philosophy. The Tao Te Ching is a good book that I'm starting to absorb now and helping me understand things like balance uh, and and how to approach life, which is different than kind of some of the things I taught, uh, was taught in sort of a Western way. Um, So, um, you know, I just think the idea at this point is, uh, and especially for me, is just to read as much as I can about this concept of balance, because I really think that's going to be something that's going to be a big part of our future on this planet is learning and seeking that. I'm just wondering, could you say something else about the high sensation seeking? I've also heard of that term myself, and I do wonder if I have some of those traits as well. Um, But what does that look like for you in your life or how might other highly sensitive people be able to identify what that looks like? I, I think I, you know, a lot of times when you hear something like that, you're thinking of the person who's who's constantly going mm-hmm. places to bungee jump, or someone who likes to do uh, parachuting or whatever. It's not necessarily about high risk uh, in terms of physical health and safety. It is about novelty seeking. Um, I have a tendency, and here's an interesting fact about highly sensitive people that Dr. Ern has brought out is that. We often don't do so well in relationships long term that I think there's a part of us that naturally seeks novelty. Um, that doesn't mean that you won't, if you're a highly sensitive person, you won't have a long loving relationship with someone. But if, if you find that you're not and you're looking for something new, it could be that high sensation seeking piece. And I think there's a kind of a, a, a way of dealing with that that the highly sensitive people will get to a point where they're 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 constantly looking for stimulation at some point and and I think that's what they're looking for is they go out and look for these novel experiences it could be just change of venue it could be travel it could be uh, doing something exciting for a brief period of time but then coming back to being your more cautious uh, self so the tendency, I think, is more about looking for new things, new experiences, which I think is a mm-hmm. good thing. Um, but uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's high risk or of a physical nature, high risk or dangerous type of thing, although it might be. I mean, it just really depends on the individual. Certainly, Dr. Cooper's book would be a great place to go get some detail, a deep dive on that because he has sort of specialized in that particular area. With everything we've spoken about today, um, there's been some really um, prominent themes, and I think the theme of balance has been coming through a lot. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share about your book or what we've spoken about, anything that feels 
um, really important to get through. Well, the, the theme of balance is very important, but also think the the idea that living more in the present. I, I have a there's an old uh, Zen. Uh, I wouldn't call it a parable, but it's a short story about a student going to his master. And you may have heard of this before, but it's become kind of a mantra with me right now. The student goes to the Zen master and asks him, how do you become enlightened? And the master looks back at the student and says, well, chop wood, carry water. The student looks about, thinks about that for a minute, looks back at the master again and says, what do you do after you're enlightened? And the master looks back at him and says, chop wood, carry water. The idea is to stay focused on what it is that's sustaining you, right, in the moment. Mm -hmm. I think as HSPs, we tend to either live in the past and ruminate too much about what we did, what we could have done, how we, you know, overanalyzing everything that we've done. And sometimes that's a problem for us. Or we spend a lot of time worrying about the future, something that we're going to do, some activity. But we very seldom stay in the moment. And that's where that has relevance to me, that saying, chop wood, carry water, because that is really something you're doing in the moment. It's menial, but it's something that you can focus and stay focused on in the present. And I think for me, as I've gotten older and more experienced, that's something that I've learned that I would like to relate to other HSPs, is the trivial stuff that you do right now and that you think is trivial that you're doing in the present is really where your life really is. And not to get too hung up on what happened in the past and not to get too hung up about looking to the future. That doesn't mean set goals or any of that stuff. It just means don't worry and get anxious about it. So that would be something I would share it with people. And the other thing is uh, I would tell highly sensitive people who are just learning about the trait or have it and know it is whatever you do, don't give up. You know, I think the world is changing and we are going to be a big part of that in various ways. And um, I think we have an important role to fulfill. And I think Dr. Aaron is right. There is an evolutionary reason why we exist. And I'm I'm now learning to embrace it and, and be proud of that. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's a really, really important message to end on. And I think the idea of staying present is so crucial. And I can also relate as a highly sensitive person to overanalyzing, overthinking. And I know that meditation and mindfulness has been really instrumental in my life to shifting that pattern. Um, and the other thing you shared was yeah, just how we as highly sensitive people have a it feels like a global responsibility right now because we are going through this massive shift. And just one more thing I want to say about that is it almost feels to me that the, the balance, the, the scale is going even further off. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, and it's like that needs to happen before we can bring it back into alignment again. And I, I don't know if that's something you also see happening at the moment absolutely and i totally agree with that and, and hsps tend to be a little bit um tentative maybe sometimes intimate about that but we can do this yeah. as, a, as, as a group and i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to talk with you today 
You are welcome. Well, thank you so much for joining. And I'm just wondering, where can listeners go to find out more about your work and the resources that you've mentioned here today? Well, let's see. The The website is thesensitiveman.com. Um, and that's where the blogs are. And there's some information about the books and, and so forth. I'm going to continue to develop that site as well. Um, I'm on Facebook as the sensitive man. They can find me there. And I would love for them to like me. I guess we're, or I put a lot of my uh, information outbound for that. And on Twitter, it's uh, the sensitive MA1. I didn't wasn't able to get sensitive mm-hmm. man, but I did get sensitive MA1. So that's where I'm at on Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you. And again, I'll put those links below so people can find you easily on Facebook, Twitter, and your website as well. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to reading your book. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jose. I appreciate you having me on. You are welcome. Thanks for joining me this week on Highly Sensitive Humans. Make sure to visit my website, highlysensitivehumans.com, where you can subscribe to the show and find out more about my upcoming workshops, my online eight-week course, and where I also offer one-to-one coaching for highly sensitive people. And if you found value in the show today, I'd really appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply share this episode with your friends or other highly sensitive people, that would help support this podcast.